0: hello and welcome to the podcast of the Lotus Eaters, episode 781 on today the 9th not the third of November because unlike Connor and Callum I know what day it is <laughs> I know that I'm wearing the standards same, high I'm wearing um, a, a, a not a, I'm wearing a matching pair of socks you know I'm not dressed right. like some Islamist right now so we're <laughs> keeping the standards re- real high uh, and uh, I'm joined by Carl hello. as you can all tell and today we're going to be covering how Twitter is no longer safe for activists. Good news, we're winning, lads. Yes, we're also going to be. Co- well, I'm going to be staging an intervention and letting everybody know that Bill Maher is Bill not my friend. Fallen. Bill Maher has stayed at the same <laughs> elevation, man. People have been people have been coping over this. For I'm years. coping over it. Okay. <laughs> and also, how Orwell was even more based than you first thought. <laughs> yeah,
1: and so he's cancelled.
0: Yeah, and so you're not allowed to like him anymore. Yeah. At least we've got Huxley for the time being. Um, but before we get into that, I'll just let everybody know that later on, after the podcast, half an hour after, at three o'clock hour time, we we'll are going to we're going to be doing Lads Hour number ten for the three year celebration of the Lotus Eaters, and we'll be doing a Q and A, answering your questions, and also shooting the shooting the s a little bit. Yeah, I've got some funny things to look at. Yeah, there was something that we were maybe going to incorporate into this, but we're saving we'll, it. We'll save for Lads, Lads Hour instead.
1: It's just really funny, and it might cross a line. so. <laughs> no put on you, just...
0: oh, anyway. right. And with that, I think we should
1: get into it. So good news, everyone. Twitter is no longer safe for activists. Say, the left-wing activists who I didn't want Twitter to be safe for. So it looks like we're winning, lads. Everything's going great. Uh, the march continues. But before we begin, today we've got our Lads Hour, which Harry just announced. But to go along with the Lads Hour, we have a promo code. So the Lads Hour is going to be a Q&A where we just sit for a couple of hours and talk to you guys about the third birthday of loadseaters.com and this podcast. Um, Thank you everyone, by the way, for staying with us, watching, subscribing, making sure that we can have lights and screens and things like that, because it's all paid for by you guys. So if you want to sign up, uh, you get three months uh, at 33% discount if you use birthday as your code, sign up. Um, Now, for those long-term subscribers going, hey, don't we get anything? You do, it just wasn't ready today. I really wanted it to be ready. It was just, you know, these things couldn't happen. So next week, we will unveil a birthday surprise for our long-term, or just any subscribers, really, um, because we haven't forgotten you. We just couldn't get it done in time. But, uh, but if you want to sign up for 3% off three months, and that supports us, that keeps all the lights on, and you get access to our massive library of excellent premium content. Connor is just recording an interview with Eric Kaufman at the moment.
0: Who is As we speak, yeah.
1: A, yeah, a big fan. I'm a big fan of his. Because I, I just think he's a, a really valuable voice in the discourse right now. And I imagine that's going to be an amazing conversation. So go and sign up. You'll be able to see it. Anyway, so let's begin because this. Uh, I think the buttons have stopped working. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's why I'll use the mouse. There we go. John can do it. Right. So back in February, ages ago now, not in the before time, though, I did have my Twitter account at this point, but a few months, three months after Elon Musk had purchased Twitter and gutted it like a madman. You can see Amnesty International like, oh no, there's wars and genocides going on around the world, but our Twitter activists are upset. Therefore, this is going to take priority over all of that. We're not going to be talking about wars and genocides and human rights violations or anything like that. No, no, no. We're talking about hate speech on Twitter because we're Amnesty International. We cover very serious and important topics. So uh, they complain that social media giants Twitter is failing to protect LGBTQ plus organizations. Good. I don't don't want these organizations protected. But what are they protecting failing to protect them from? Quote, online violence.
0: I assume this means online
1: speech. Which is obviously not violence. I mean, what does online violence mean as a phrase? Violence is physical activity. Tweeting at someone
0: is not violence. Typically, it's meant, you've hurt my fee Yes. That's, that's all it's ever meant. That's really. precisely what I
1: mean. There is no such thing as online violence. There cannot be, definitionally,
0: any such thing Well, If, we're, ta- if, if we're talking about the LGBTQ, yada, yada, yada the, community... The violence against their sensitivities. The, the, the violence against their sensitivities. There are certain sectors of that community who you would say are a higher risk if you say something nasty, they might do something violent to themselves.
1: Hey, that's, so, not, that's not online violence, though. That's physical violence in the real world that uh, they may well do to themselves. But uh, when surveyed, a bunch of people, left-wing activists specifically, who they're citing in here, uh, said that experienced the, a higher level of abusive and hateful speech. Right, the word violence dropped off there, didn't it? You know, like, oh no, it's abusive and hateful speech. Yeah, but what happened to the violence? I want to know how many wounds were inflicted. You know, what was the casualty figure? this and turns out that none actually so uh, people were disagreeing with them basically the survey targeted 11 lgbtq plus organizations as well as nine high-profile lgbtq plus individuals who advocate on lgbtq plus issues and i believe everything that they say (laughs) i certainly don't think they think this is part of a narrative they're going to try and construct in order to force twitter to do what they want instead of just allowing twitter to be a fairly neutral platform
0: I always trust incredibly selectively biased <laughs> yeah. uh, surveys commi- conducted by pressure groups on behalf of pressure groups that's that's how I know I'm being told the truth. <laughs> exactly. The whole thing is just such a
1: caricature of what like any real-world sort of journalism or activism or advocacy should look like. It's just a bunch of really bizarre people saying, "Hey, I'm getting my feelings hurt a lot more now that people are allowed to talk back to me. This is unacceptable." Nine of the respondents tried to report abuse to Twitter, and eight out of the nine said that Twitter took no action to mitigate or take down the reported content.
0: Okay, all right. Good. (laughs) I can't silence my opponents. How has this happened? Well, I mean, these organizations most of them will be staffed by the same kind of freaks that you imagine. And a lot of them will be staffed by oversensitive oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. F- female harpy HR managers.
1: Well, you say female, but I mean, like, that's definitely up in the air. Who knows?
0: Well, I mean, how can you tell the difference? Very these confused people. Yeah, very confusing. But it, it reminds me of at the beginning of October when uh, Survive the Jive and other people put out their incredible responses. And we put out our incredible response to the horrible history, black Britain, black Roman yes. Britain thing. And I heard from sources on the inside that a lot of these organizations had media or uh, media departments that were staffed almost entirely by women who were weeping. And crying and bawling their eyes out because they were running around going, all of these evil white racists I, I, are, I, saying, I, are, are, are saying that this isn't true. What we're saying, why would they say
1: this? I, I want to, I want to reframe this. It's not just women; it's left-wing activists.
0: Well, this is this is the reports that I received.
1: Yeah, but the, the, it's not like you know a bunch of based right-wing women are like, oh no. No, well, no, this,
0: obviously, but yeah. I don't think I don't think it's going to be based right wing women who are going to be staffing obviously. the media departments yeah. of big news organisations. Exactly. So
1: it's, it, I think it's worth making the distinction, just so ladies watching don't feel like we're unfairly.
0: I don't think. It, I, them in the same of case. course, I don't think any of the women watching the women watching this are smart enough to know to disaggregate themselves.
1: But uh, but anyway, let's let's continue because uh, the winds just keep coming for us. 60% of the respondents said that the hateful and abusive speech had impacted how they use the platform, including posting to Twitter less frequently, sharing less information regarding their work, and limiting who they interact with on the platform. Oh, great. It's
0: working. <laughs> exactly. That's just... Exactly what I wanted Elon to do, and he's done it. Well, this was when... What was that alternative? That's so great. What was that Japanese alternative that they all went to or said that they were going to go to? And not like Mastodon. Yeah, yeah, Mastodon. That was the I mean, alternative. Was Japanese, but it- I think it was... I think its servers are held in Japan, which is... Oh, right. And um, it had... If I remember, I reported at the time, it had such a problem with certain content that Elon was trying to eliminate from Twitter that they had to disable the search function on the website. Because I, I went on it and was like, okay, what are people, what, what's, is this an actual viable Twitter alternative? Hmm, that's strange. I can't search for anything on here. And they disabled it because it was such a prevalent problem on the site that if you searched for anything, it would pop up.
1: That's interesting. I didn't know about that because the only thing I knew about Mastodon is a bunch of really hardcore Nazis used it. And I'm not sure there's a block function on it. Because it's like this decentralized thing.
0: So yeah, yeah, that that was. I think that was the main reason why they couldn't get rid of it. Yeah, why they had to disable the search function because it was a bunch of decentralized servers mainly focused around people in Japan.
1: Yeah. So I had a friend of mine who uses Mastodon because he is very, very extreme, and he was sending me (laughs) loads. He was just DMing me loads of posts where they'd like, "Hi Mastodon, I'm here," and it was just Nazis, just. I can't say any of. what's yeah, yeah. I can't say any of the, swastica, swastica, yeah, yeah, yeah. Any of the things <laughs> that they were replying to. So, like, it's, you know, <laughs> just progressive journalist. I'm from the New York Times. I'm here to use Bastard on it. It's just this, spe- and they can't block it. <laughs> so it's just like <laughs> that's fantastic. I know. I know. I don't need to laugh so much, but it was really funny. Anyway, so uh, yeah, the activists and the uh, the organisations. Uh, were reporting that they were posting less frequently to Twitter, which is just brilliant. Uh, Michael Kleinman, Amnesty International's USA Senior Director of Technology and Human Rights. Weird dual hat to wear, isn't it? Um, Twitter must do more to protect LGBTQ plus activists and organizations on the platform. Twitter considers itself a digital town square, yet the town square where the LGBTQ voices are all too often shouted down and silenced by constant hateful speech and harassment. A, organizations that need uh, protection, so go away. But B, right, so you're complaining here. The game is no longer rigged. The game used to be rigged. When someone tweeted at me, I would report them and they'd get their accounts suspended. And therefore, I had free speech. But now everyone has free speech on Twitter. The game is no longer rigged. And I'm just constantly getting drowned out by thousands of people telling me to piss off. And I don't like it. That's all this amounts to. Kelly Robinson, the president of the Human Rights Campaign, said, Social media's outside, Im- outside importance in our lives means that platforms like Twitter have an obligation to provide a space free from violent rhetoric and harassment, an obligation they have long ignored. Okay, or what? Nothing, that's what. So if we go to the next one, um, this, that was back in February, but come November now, this month, oh dear, the same problem is still occurring. A year after Elon Musk bought Twitter, X is now a worthless platform. Some say it's no longer safe for activists.
0: The whole point of all social media organizations since the beginning has to provide a safe space for
1: activists, not just any activists, left-wing activists, leftist activists, exactly.
0: So I'm because I, I will I will push back slightly and say there are still problems with Twitter. Yeah, of course. And there are still people who you could say uh, are denied a voice on it. For instance, Alex Jones, I believe still yep. doesn't have access to his account primarily because of Elon's personal animus yep. against him. So you can't say that there's a free speech absolutism on oh. the platform because Elon is still allowing his own personal feelings and there might still we don't know but there might still be back-end interference from intelligence yep. agencies going on there. More than likely is. More than likely is. But, but I'm, it I'm is not, better than it was. I'm not saying that, that
1: Twitter is a perfect platform. I'm not saying it doesn't have problems. I'm saying that the left are losing on Twitter, and I love it. I love watching them lose, right? As they complain here, you know, Elon, it's been a year since Elon took over. Walk in, you remember? Let that sink in. Love it. Love what he's doing. Love everything about this, right? Over the past 12 months, Elon, uh, Mr. Musk, sorry they call him, has gutted content moderation. Brilliant. Restored accounts of previously banned extremists. Hello. <laughs> and allowed users to purchase account verification. Love everything about this. The Bluebird logo has disappeared.
0: Are, are people still earning loads and loads of money off of the tweets that they put out? If they're some they are.
1: I'm not. I'm getting about $250 a month. Don't get me wrong. It's more than I'm
0: getting. Yeah, I'm glad to get
1: $250 a month. But like some people are getting my like four grand. I'm like, how am I not getting that? I'm getting millions of... Anyway. So, uh, they, they're complaining, you know, look, it just, it just feels less safe on Twitter and saying, like, good. I don't want you to feel safe on Twitter. I don't want you on Twitter. I want you to go away of your own volition. I don't want you suspended. I don't want your account, del- you know, terminated by Twitter because then I can't tweet at you. Um, I just want you to feel like I don't really like that platform and I'm going to go to Mastodon when the Nazis hang out. <laughs> I want you because to- I, I view you the same kind of extremist as they are just on the very other side. Well- Someone who's just a total, just, they make every space they're in toxic, the left. And I don't want them in there. Oh,
0: well, yeah. I, th- I think the maybe most viable alternative for them to go to is I think uh, there's threads on Instagram.
1: We'll, we'll get to it in a minute. Oh, all oh, right. It's, okay. it's just funny how that didn't pan out. Right. Um, and uh, of course, they say, well, look, US media, including Fortune and Bloomberg, reporting that a new employee stock plan shows that X is only worth 19 billion. OK, but that's 19 billion that's shared between like a quarter of the staff. So if it's half the value, but between a quarter of the staff, they're all doing better. But even then, it shows it wasn't about the money, maybe. You know, it, like Elon went on Joe Rogan, who's like, look, I just felt this was destroying civilization. And so maybe it's not about the money. Maybe, I'm not saying Elon's the world's greatest guy, but he's done a lot of things I really approve of and he's really personally helped me out. So um, anyway, so while many have been enthralled by the apparent demise of Mr. Musk's social media platform, and you know what, you can, you can tell the demise of a social media platform by the fact that everyone's talking about it nonstop all day, every day, right? They're always posting articles. Twitter's doing this now. Twitter's doing that now. I'm not happy with what's happening on Twitter. Because you can tell that's how it's, dem- that's dying.
0: Well, when when the primary competitors of a particular platform, because Musk has said explicitly he wants it to be a place where people can break news mm-hmm. before the mainstream tabloids and the mainstream media can get to it. Yeah. And he joked that most of what you see in the headlines is whatever was posted on Twitter the day before. Which is totally true. All of these people are competitors of Twitter. And they're constantly going on about Twitter's dead. This time, it's really gone yeah. now. <laughs> this any day now, it's going <laughs> to shut down for good. It's just yeah. competitors yeah. trying to almost like spiritually manifest from the ether. Yeah. This will we want the will to power for Twitter to shut down, yeah. but they can't. It won't. Yeah.
1: Um, but they complain that you know Mr. Musk's lack of regulation has opened the floodgates for hate speech against marginalized groups and for misinformation. Um, X far from resembles the town square space Twitter once carved out on the internet, where journalists, academic, and activists could share information, campaign, and address threats around the world. That's not true. That's all happening. It's just you get to hear what the right wing actually thinks now.
0: Well, yeah, they mean that they they had it nicely corralled, so it was only their acceptable uh, activists and journalists and academics being able to say things that they already agreed with, and now they hear opinions of those who they disagree with, and this is heartbreaking, it's tragic and uh, there's no way of dealing with it if you're a leftist because you're a ball of neurosis.
1: Yes, it wasn't perfect, but it proved extremely powerful in enabling freedom of expression, which is why we needed to silence a bunch of other people and make sure they don't have freedom of expression, right? It amplified marginalized voices and mobilized social justice movements such as the Arab Spring, Black Lives Matter, and Me Too.
0: Do do platforms like, do do outlets like ABC and the other big ones, do they still feign some kind of neutrality in their news I reportings? Not. I well, bloody they, well hope not. They shouldn't do, but they really do a bad job of it now. If there's one thing yes. that I can say isn't unequivocal good over the past few years, it's revealing to normies, I would say, just how politically biased a lot of these platforms are. A lot of people already knew and already saw it, but it's very obvious to anybody because they don't even try and hide it. Now. Oh, it's, it's wild
1: these days, isn't it? And so... um they're complete. They're constantly complaining. There are no moderators to keep the site from being overrun with hate, uh, or having uh, the executives in charge of making rules and enforcing them. So that just essentially says we can't spew a bunch of nonsense without being able to silence our detractors. It's like, yep, that's good. Uh, the single biggest thing that, drast- that has been basically the eragi- is is basically the eradication of trust
0: and safety teams across Twitter, right? Who's going um, to employ the feminists now. Yeah,
1: exactly. Where, where are they going to work now? Like, we're not... We, we, we don't have jobs where we can just go and get caramel lattes on demand. Oh, that's a, such a shame. That's such a shame. Uh, but they do say, look, there are actual real problems from this. For example, in Myanmar, Twitter has played... Burma, for anyone who is traditional-minded. Twitter has played a crucial role in helping people share information and giving them a voice since the 2021 military coup. Yadana Maung... Uh, Justice uh, for Myanmar spokesman uh, said that cybersecurity... Nice try. <laughs> I, I gave it <laughs> nice, my best shot, nice right? Try. <laughs> I gave it my best shot. Sooner you than me. Yeah, I know, right? I should have been practicing it before the podcast, really. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but they say that, uh, you know, the cybersecurity and privacy threats have increased for the group since Musk's takeover, and so too has the platform's compliance with requests from authoritarian regimes like the European Union. Because this month, the European Union, the European Commission announced an investigation into X for alleged dissemination of bogus information and terrorist conflict regarding the conflict between uh, content regarding the conflict between Israel and Hamas. It's like okay, so these ones don't want the anti-content, but when these ones don't want their anti-content, oh, these ones are the good guys. It's literally—I mean, I don't want to be like oh, friend-enemy distinction, because it's a bit cliched—but it's so obvious that that's what this is. It's just this is good for us, and therefore we like it. That's bad for you, therefore we don't like
0: it. Oh, if, you don't you. Wanna, if you don't want to, if you don't want to say friend enemy distinction because you think it's cliche, just say in group out group.
1: Even then, that's just cliche. It's just cliche to say like, oh, they're just doing this because it's theirs. And if it's doing true, it against you because it's yours, I know. But that's if, the thing. It's, it's just, true. It's, it's, it's self evidently obvious. It's self evident, and it's not really a very interesting or deep analysis. But that is really what
0: this is about. Like this is—it's not. Well, it doesn't. Kind of, it doesn't need to be deep. I think that's where. That's <laughs> honestly for most. People, know, but that's what I'm i think, trying to provide. <laughs> I think that's where their thought process ends. Are they on my side? If so, it doesn't matter. I'm, you know, it, you is know
1: I, it, I. don't think most people do think that. I think, but the activists do think that.
0: Right? The activists certainly. The do.
1: The, the activists. And that's how this works, and that's why Twitter is a right wing platform now, basically. Um, but Professor Lever says that anyone who's still on X after relying on the platform for years as a valuable space for public debate, was hanging on by the skin of their teeth, wishing there was somewhere else to go. You've got loads of other options. You just don't want... Them. You're just really annoyed, and you really want to use this one. But, I mean, you can use this one. It's just not going to be a safe space, and other people will get to push back. That's just... And these people, they, they can private
0: their accounts. Yeah, but they want...
1: They want the, the likes and the clicks and the yeah. engagement. Yeah. And If they do that, then, oh, you know... But they, they just want a megaphone and to never be challenged. And Elon has just been like, no, look, you're all going to have to have a discussion about this. And they hate it. And so that's why they're on the verge of leaving Twitter.
0: You are right. A lot of these people are both in, cripplingly insecure and also massively ego- egoistic. So oh. they, can't, they can't bear to private their accounts because if they do, then that means they won't get as many upvotes mm-hmm. as it is that they want. And then they can't get the dopamine hit.
1: And they, they also. Oh, if I if I turn off comments, I don't get people telling me, "Yeah, I'm great." But I also uh, I'm saved from the flood of people saying, "Listen, you stupid SJW." You know, I'm not going to swear, but you know, yeah, yeah, you know, like all of the um, cutting and incisive criticism that they get and can't stand to get. But anyway, I'll leave that.
0: John, is the buttons working? Because they're not working. Oh wait, oh wait, uh, no, they're not working. Oh no, they keep flashing on and yeah. off. You'll you'll have to do it, John. Yeah, that's fine. Let me- Get my own notes up on my laptop then. Just a very professional operation. At least I've not spilt my drink today so far. <laughs> I've got my eye on it. Did you not see that yesterday? Uh, no, I didn't see that yesterday, but I just like that's how low our standards are. I, I had a minor aneurysm and my hand spasmed and uh, and I <laughs> spilt hot coffee all over myself. <laughs> okay, well done. Yeah. So let's get on with it. So this, I'm, I'm staging an intervention, guys. And Carl, I'm staging an intervention. I know. Every single time, uh, once every month or so, there will be a clip that circulates of this random based liberal, mostly Bill Maher, says something blindingly obvious to anyone (laughs) who has been paying attention to politics for the past 10 years. And loads of conservative commenters point at it and go, OMG, so based, totally our guy. Not, he's not. Bill Maher is not your guy. guy and he's not your friend. He hates you. on McIntyre described <laughs> it recently and put it brilliantly. He would not spit on you if you were on fire. He thinks you are an evil, decadent conservative and has nothing but contempt for your beliefs. I think it might be. The other, I don't think he'll think you're
1: decadent. I think he'll think you're up, you're uptight.
0: Well, but, yeah, yeah, uptight. That's so, probably a better way of
1: putting it. So I, I've been a fan of Bill Maher for decades, right? Because Bill Maher, like, you've got to understand that liberalism is kind of like a magic spell that gets cast over a person's mind, and so erases aspects of reality and introduces things that aren't true to be the new reality. And so when someone who is a liberal says something that is actually true, that's always in a way kind of praiseworthy. That's always something noteworthy at the very least. And it's not to say that he's our guy. No, he is a liberal. He is always going to be under the magic spell. But Bill Maher is better than your average liberal, in a kind of Yogi Bear way, um, because he... Is able to perceive through the veil of liberalism into things that. Are
0: See, right. I I think this is quibbling between very minor distinctions. It's like saying Maybe. would you rather? <laughs> I'm not saying it's not. Would you rather <laughs> be stabbed in the stomach or the kidney? No, 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 no. He's he's not that bad. Um,
1: and Bill Bill Maher has always. I mean, he's he's got some strength. He's would you been... would you rather be blind or deaf? I'd rather be deaf. Um, fair. Uh, he has always been really hardcore in free speech. Right, he's always been really good. He's always been really good against wokism, even if he is a liberal and therefore has a bunch of other things that a conservative or a traditionalist would be like, no, that's terrible, right? Which is what I think you're about to launch. Well, uh, so and but he's also been sympathetic to the underdog as well. Like he did a he did a bit a couple of decades ago now, talking about the plight of men, being mm. like, look, you know, because and, and this was back when feminism was a big deal. And you could, if you could, if you spoke out against feminism, you were a misogynist, right? And so it was actually kind of brave for Bill Maher to stand and go, look, actually millions of men are really le- leading quiet lives of quiet desperation and actually suffering. And women do not understand this because they do hold quite a quite privileged place in society, right? And so, like I said, Bill Maher has his strengths and has been consistent on these. But you are right, he hasn't changed, right? Mm-hmm. And despite having some good aspects... As I'm well aware you're about to tell me, he has
0: some negatives as well. So that's he has some very now that we've gotten over Carl's Cope speech, it's trying to ex- this is all try, Trying to explain desperately Bill why is, he's why, is, is
1: the best of the liberals, but he is still a
0: liberal. A an American he's, he's still a liberal and overwhelmingly he would hate your views if you were to explain actual conservative views. No, 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 because I will get onto examples of this. All I'm he saying,
1: somebody, Bill, call me, I'll come on your show, we'll have it out. He
0: is somebody he- <laughs> He He might have you on his show. He's not. That but bad. he would have you on his show to give you the John Stewart treatment, to misrepresent your views, insult you, he, no, denigrate he's, you. He's he would laugh bad. at you, and he would speak through both sides of his mouth, no, 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 so hang that he would right, be able okay. to make sure that the audience know that you are someone worthy of being mocked and not taken seriously because you do not adhere to centrist '90s liberalism. I'm not sure about that. Did
1: you not see Milo on Bill Maher's show? No, I didn't. Right, go and watch it. He's actually really complimentary towards Milo. Right, he 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 says he's like a modern day Christopher Hitchens. This is like okay. That so honestly, I I feel that you are making a kind of Gestalt entity out of every left wing late night talk show host. And actually, Bill Maher is a separate thing. But you aren't wrong that at base he is still a liberal. He's he's not John Stewart, and he's not you know John Oliver or. Stephen Colbert or all the rest, right? He's not those. And that he is in a he is in a separate category. And I mean he's been brutal against Islam, which you know obviously is
0: Yeah, but he's been brutal against Islam because it's not liberal enough for it.
1: Well, yeah, of course. Because he's a liberal, right? Well, yes. But but he's he's not this kind of cruel liberal that will do what John Stewart does. Um, he is honestly better than the rest of them. However, like I said, he is still a liberal, so please carry
0: on. Okay, but as, as you mentioned the plight of men, I think it's uh, relevant to point out that we had a book club recently on the website where we spoke about the plight of men and we focused this around Nora Vinson's book Self-Made Man, which was a really interesting experiment that she did and uh, may she rest in peace as well because sadly last year she chose to go to switzerland and uh, voluntarily take her own life and
1: as he, i understand he, it it was a consequence of living from partially as a man for 18 months
0: partially yes because she suffered a psychotic break after she had conducted this experiment yeah, and had to wild. had to put herself in a in an institute so that she yeah. could undergo psycho psychotherapeutic yeah. evaluation and all sorts because she was in a position where she might hurt herself and sadly the, 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 she ended up doing that
1: the book is fascinating just like what you know, she actually experiences life as a man and is like, oh my God, mm. you guys have to live with this.
0: Yeah, she wasn't trying to become a transsexual or anything like no, that. No. She was very aware of her own identity being that of a woman, but it was an experiment because she thought to herself, because she was kind of feminist back when she started it, she thought, well, we always talk about how men have it so much easier. Let me give that a test. It did not work out very well for her. And this was a very fascinating book club that I did with Connor and Dan. So that's premium on the website. So you can get um, you can get a, a subscription to the website, five pounds a month. And at the moment, we've got the birthday code for any gotcha. subscribers. That's 33% off for three months. So if you feel like checking that out, give us a subscribe and give us some support. We'd really appreciate that. There you go on the screen. So Discount you, code birthday. Birthday, yeah. This I should have birthday? brought some. Yeah. yeah oh, we should cheers. have got poppers or something. something. I, I, yeah. I was thinking as we started yeah. the podcast, I should have got the party poppers. Yeah, but yeah. oh well. So an example of what I'm talking about with Bill Maher in particular is this recent video came out where he's talking to to Neil deGrasse Tyson Mm -hmm. and loads of anti-woke, liberal, and conservative accounts have been taking this. It's like red meat whenever they go. Yes, see, it is. Bill Maher... Has, get him, Bill! Bill Maher has posted a video. Therefore, excellent. Great. I can get a 10-minute clip out of this. Yep. I can get some nice clicks out of this one. Yep. And you always see it because he'll do something like this. Because everybody knows Neil deGrasse Tyson isn't all there. He's a bit crazy. He's he, a,
1: does, uh, he does keep informing me that the only part of your body you can lick in a mirror is your tongue. It's like, well, obviously, Neil. What? Why would you say Every, every you year s- you to tweet this out. Why
0: would you say that? Also, if I was... <laughs>
1: the only part of your body you can lick in a mirror is your tongue. Also, like, the yeah,
0: only well, part... Obviously, it's a reflection. The only part... Like- Why would you try and lick the mirror in the first I place? Know, That's window-licking he- he behavior, it- he Neil. you tweet it every year. Also, the only, the only part of my body I can poke in a mirror <laughs> is my, <laughs> my finger. Yeah, well, oh, I can not- only headbutt my own head in the mirror, Neil. Oh, my God. What an <laughs> <know>. incredible observation. <laughs> Mind-blowing. <laughs> I, I, I know. Did you know that if you see a mirror reflection, it's flipped the opposite direction? Oh, my God. <laughs> How did you tell? I didn't know that. Oh, my God. I hate him. He's the Reddit scientist. <laughs> he is a Reddit he, he is the Reddit scientist who Those provides all of these pointless little tidbits and trivia factoids that don't matter, nobody should care yeah. about. But people go, oh, my God. Oh, my God. But he's kind of low-hanging fruit. He's yeah. low-hanging fruit because basically... He's the idiot's scientist, and will come out with takes that are there for people who think they're smart. And it's very easy to dismantle them because he gets very emotional and he yells.
1: Or even if even if you don't need to necessarily dismantle them, it's just like, okay, that's not a very incisive observation about whatever you're talking about. So even if it might be true...
0: I think like, he does He does posts every year around Christmas time, so we're ramping up for it, wait for it, where he's like, well, actually, if oh, you yeah. look into the physics of it, Santa yeah, couldn't yeah, physically yeah, deliver yeah. presents to everybody else. Who cares? No, no, you're he's wrong magic. on that. You're wrong on that, he's actually, magic. Neil. Santa has magic. <laughs> <laughs> Santa has magic on his side. Yeah. Therefore, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, you
1: ugly Santa denier.
0: Yeah, so Take it somewhere else, Neil. You get Bill Maher attacking low-hanging fruit and not even... Really, no, no,
1: no. So, the, the, again, it's, Bill Maher's not attacking low-hanging fruit.
0: I mean, he's having... He's, he's, he's having, having an, him on as a guest. He's having an interview, but then people... like I've never heard of this person before, Rattlesnake TV, but he managed to get 150, almost thousand views out of this. Mm-hmm. And it can basically be summed up in this 20-second clip that's at the beginning of it saying, coming up...
1: <laughs> Eric Kaufman just barged in on us. <laughs>
0: He had something to say. <laughs>
1: Yeah. I don't think he likes Neil Grass Tyson either.
0: Yeah, yeah, well, let, let's, <laughs> let's play this, because it sums up the, th- this is all, you don't need a 10-minute video. You need this 20-second clip.
2: God. You should be calling them out. Somebody like you, who has standing with kids, it's, it's demeaning and insulting, No, quite frankly, it's, because it's, it's it's reducing what I do. Let's segregate society between That's dark-skinned people and lights that says boys in a separate doorway on the other side of school that says girls. Oh, thinking, God. Why are we doing this? Because people are mostly boys and girls.
1: <laughs> See, this is. I think this supports... Oh, this is highbrow content. Th- no, right I'm then. not saying it's highbrow content, obviously. I mean, Bill Maher's a comedian, right? But the, but the point being... Y- you're like, saying you're annoyed that you didn't
0: get a segment out of this?
1: In a way, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. I, th- th- there's no point. But the point is, Bill Maher is correct, and he is at least... Like, again, he's speaking through the magic spell and saying, no, there are boys and girls. That's basically what everyone is. So that's why we do it. What are you being freakish for? And there's another clip, I don't know whether you've got it, where he's like going around, he's saying to him, look, you should have been policing this nonsense in universities and you weren't. And so that's totally true, totally reasonable and the right thing to do. So this is why Bill Maher is like actually better than the average liberal. Now, I mean, personally, he's quite a decadent person. Obviously, he's got many other flaws, but he's not as bad as like the John Stewarts. Like He's not like, at least not that I've seen, like wildly dishonest like John Stewart is. And he doesn't tend to belittle his guests
0: as much as John Stewart. Did. All right. With, with all that, but if, I'm going to Bill defense Force. What, what I'm confused about, though, yeah. is with all of that that you've just said, any well-meaning, switched-on conservative or right-winger will have been well aware of everything that you've just said. They should be. For at least the past five to six years, maybe much longer than that. Maybe even He's going been doing back, this since the 90s. Maybe, well, I was going to say, maybe even going back to the 90s. Yeah. And they have their own critiques from, of it that come from a much more logically and morally consistent worldview than Bill Maher, who I would say is mainly just trying to inculcate him in that comfy, cozy 90s sphere where everybody can get along and we can have our multicultural society without any problems, without any issues grinding up. We can have social engineering baked into the laws, but not so much that it makes me uncomfortable.
1: None of of that was really Bill Maher's concern. Bill, Bill Maher, he obviously was in favor of multicultural society. The effects of it hadn't manifested in the ways they are now, so it wasn't immediately obvious that things would turn out like they did. Um, But also, Bill Maher, being a hardcore free speech absolutist, he was like, no, no, we're going to have it out. We're going to have the discussions. And it was assumed in the 90s there would be no irreconcilable differences, um, because of course we didn't have any of the problems that we have now. Turns out there are. Lots well, of it
0: it, it it Once again, it seems to me that conservatives have this beaten spouse uh, attitude. No, no. Some, some conservatives, where they desperately want approval. They, they, do, they yeah. desperately want approval from people that they see as closer to the mainstream from them. This is why, as Oren McIntyre has spoken about, there is the ratchet effect that goes on, especially in the American right and the British right, where you'll have somebody who is an out-and-out progressive leftists like JK Rowling yeah. start saying sensible things about the latest insane thing that the left have started doing. JK Rowling doesn't change her views at all, yeah. but everybody on the right is so eager to be in with the cool kids mm-hmm. because JK Rowling, oh my god, she's the Harry Potter girl. Everybody thinks that she's the cool kid that they go, "Okay, well, we'll we'll count we'll out some of your social beliefs because we want to be a bit closer to you and a bit closer to the mainstream. We want that glow from the mainstream." And so they'll go, okay, well, if, we, if it helps us get along, I'll, I'll give this over. I'll give this over to you. I'll <laughs> give this over to you. And you constantly do that, and you find that the right becomes more and more left-wing over, over time, whereas these people stay in the exact same position.
1: Con- conversely, it's more difficult to win them over to your point of view if you're being uncharitable and unkind to them, and you won't give them the
0: time of day. Yeah, but you don't need to win them over to your side. Why not? Well, because they're not particularly useful. What? Other I think if J.K. Rowling came out, I was like, you know what?
1: Actually, now I think about it, Harry Potter's a really right-wing text, which it is, by the way. And actually...
0: But what would that do? What, like, what do you mean, what, what would that do? What practically, what practically but would Rowling that achieve? J.K. Rowling starts preaching traditionalism. What practically would that achieve other than all of a sudden a load of leftists who already hate Pat, Harry Potter because they say that the creator is transphobic going even harder yeah, on trying min- to censor it? And there are millions of Waterstones in a moment.
1: No, no, they can't cancel Harry Potter. That's the thing, because Harry Potter—I mean, even though J.K. Rowling is a raging transphobe, <laughs> Harry ha- Harry Potter is too big an institution to just dismantle. Right? There, there are Harry—I've had to go to Harry Potter worlds and like you know Disney has a Harry Potter section. And they've got like Harry Potter shops and stuff like that. It's just too big to cancel. It's a, it's a genuine like generational phenomenon for the millennials. You know, you're not a millennial, are you?
0: Um, kind of between nineteen yeah, ninety six. So I'm
1: not a, it's between the two. I'm not a millennial either, right? So like, I don't think we understand that in the early two thousands, Harry Potter was like.
0: I I very much understand, you know, but no, no, it's it's just too big. And so I if, remember when the Deathly Hallows came out, all of the all of the queues to every yeah, local yeah, yeah, bookshop yeah. overnight in midnight yeah. from from midnight onwards, the ridiculous yeah. queues, so, people camping.
1: I I think that if Harry, if J.K. Rowling came out tomorrow and was like, yeah, you know what. I'm actually really right wing and this would be the right way to... And she basically sounded like Aaron McIntyre or something. <laughs> she just came out with a bunch of Aaron McIntyre. That would be
0: a hell of a shift for what, her. Yeah,
1: but you'd be like, well, what would that do? I think that'd do a lot, actually. I think that millions and millions and millions of young people would be like, yeah, no, she's making a lot of sense. And I think, I think the, the culture... Would shift in a certain direction that would be very favorable to right wing politics. So, actually, I think that we shouldn't underestimate and we shouldn't necessarily just be mean to them because it makes us sound kind of like spurned lovers or something. Yeah.
0: But that's never going to happen. You've, paint, you've painted a nice fantasy, but JK Rowling is not going to come out tomorrow and say, you know what, maybe we should deport them. That's <laughs> nothing that she is ever going to say I don't believe. Know. It is a lost cause. I, don't know. I mean, like, These she's people- a women's rights
1: activist.
0: These How people, do we feel
1: about this group of people that you're talking
0: about? These people can hold two contradictory views very easily in their own heads because they don't see them as contradictory. Mm-hmm. They see you as an evil racist for even maybe. suggesting that there are differences that maybe cause problems for the other pro- uh, the the other primary issues that they hold tightly to.
1: Maybe, but a year ago, Graham Linen or three years ago, Graham Linen would never have come on this podcast, but he's on tomorrow. This is so.
0: I don't 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 rule out anything. This is true, but because just because you found one or two edge cases, again like, all the other not- oh, no, but that that thing and that thing and that
1: thing. Hey, man. Like we've got some tangible wins here. Right. It's you... exciting and easy to be a doomer because that's a I'm not that saying can never it's exciting. Assailed, I
0: don't like right? being a doomer. It's, I don't think I'm being a doomer. I think be I'm being realistic about it. But realistically, we're Rowling we'll Graham Lynn on tomorrow. JK Rowling will never appear on this
1: podcast. <laughs> you don't know that you could have said that a year, you know, two years ago, Graham Linen will never appear on your podcast. Like you could have said that and it would have been like, Yeah, well, obviously. And yet here we are. So don't never relax. She loves she's a big fan of uh, Posey Parker. Posey mm-hmm. Parker's been on this podcast. So don't rule out anything. Okay. This is the thing. I, I'm, I'm, anyway, sorry. I didn't oh, all right. Detract us there, but I'm, all I'm right. holding my ground on this one. Actually, okay. we should be kind to those people who are leaving the spell of liberalism
0: because actually. They're not leaving the spell I, of liberalism. No, kind liberalism kind of has, has, yeah, know, left that, has left them behind. Progressive leftism has left them behind.
1: Yeah, no, behind. I agree. I agree. But this was all packaged into liberalism and I don't think they realized it. And actually, if we can give a convincing narrative of how something different should be. a sort of like, well, wouldn't you Wouldn't you like to have a nice sort of more romantic, literally Harry Potter view, where people belong in a structure and a system and it works for them? Actually, I think that could be they quite
0: thought they, were, they thought they were living in that world. Yeah, and it turns they, out they're not.
1: So we can provide the
0: alternative. You know, but they see that world as just being, well, you know, we took a few steps in the wrong direction. We just need to roll back those steps and then we're back in the perfect utopia.
1: But I think that's quite easy to dispel. You know, I think I think that we can be like, well, how are you going to do that? And they're like, I don't know. You know, the, the, but what the, the journey needs to continue. We can't go back. And I think that's a fairly self-evident point. That if you had a reasonable conversation with them, they'd have like, okay, maybe. Anyway, sorry. Maybe I know, I know, I tangented this. Okay, <laughs> I, I just think you're being too hardline. This feels very like Twitter online right. You I'm
0: know. not. You always use that. It, you it kind of say is, that, though. the, the analysis is correct, right? Yeah, but I don't what think the analysis views, is correct. What, what views of J.K. Rowling's have changed? I don't know if J.K.
1: Rowling first, right? but I mean the the fact that she's willing to ground her analysis in biological reality is a great start and a great. That was
0: never in question for her though. Th- well, there it was, kind of was. There was I... never a moment where she was happy with men in biological men invading women's spaces, and she even now, if you go back and read in 2020 the statement that she put out, yeah, no, no. she said that she is more than happy to respect people's pronouns and yeah. all of that. Yeah. Same positions as she ever was. It's just that when it starts to encroach into something that she cares about, yeah. that being the safety of women having their own spaces, that's where she draws the line. And I'm glad that she decided to draw that line. Yeah. It doesn't mean that she's going to be calling for mass deportation anytime. All
1: I'm saying... I, I didn't say it would be soon. All I'm saying is... I don't
0: think it's ever going to happen. <laughs>
1: yeah, but there are lots of things that are happening that I didn't think are ever going to happen. So, okay. anyway. All
0: right. Anyway. As I was... <laughs> anyway, the hate march against Bill Maher will yeah, continue... No. I try and, stay, to I try right and right stage right. an intervention, and you're just there, like, no, I need it. I desperately I need it. Either.
1: I don't watch Bill Maher anymore, right? But I, I just, I just don't feel you're being actually. I don't feel you're actually characterizing him accurately.
0: No, be, I'm not be, being romantic enough. Oh, really, or, or, or,
1: or even charitable, or, or like inaccurate, but because like, I mean, like, if this was John Stewart, I would totally agree. On all of these points, but I think
0: you're trying. And if I'd been saying all of this three years ago, you'd be like, no, John Stewart, there's a chance, yeah, there's a chance no, I, John Stewart. I
1: don't, I don't think I would. I think I've been very disappointed with John Stewart for a very long time, but Bill Maher is not nearly as bad as John Stewart ever was. But anyway, sorry.
0: Oh, okay. Oh, oh,
1: all right. But, okay, but, John Stewart but, but used to care to... about free speech, man. No, John Stewart doesn't give a damn about it. Um, he never has. Um, but you are, you are right at the end of this, though, that Bill Maher is not perfect and he's not our guy.
0: Bill, so. Yeah, Bill Maher isn't our guy. He's a guy that people go to every so often so they can draw some internet cynical. clicks. It is very cynical. C- you It cynical. is very cynical. <laughs> it is very cynical. What these people are doing is cynical and I need to call it out, okay? <laughs> Like once, once again, Ruben, Dave Rubin, yeah. who I know that you're friends with, I'm not saying yeah, anything like, against his own personal character, but he's doing it because everybody does it, Does because it, it's the trend where you go, Bill Maher has said something right. Yes. Congratulations. My grand says things that are right every so often. You don't see me, me making YouTube videos about it. Why not? It. <laughs> <laughs> My man destroys the left. I'd watch that. <laughs> with, with facts and logic. Yeah, I'd absolutely watch that. Uh bit late for that now she's dead uh, anyway that's a shame <laughs> yeah it is a shame <laughs> yeah so you've got all of this obviously oh, yeah. well this is this is academic agent his re- recent videos where he's doing talking turley because steve turley who i'd never heard yeah, before yeah. is but like the measuring stick for the online conservative YouTube trend chasers. The, the, he seems like no, a no, nice guy.
1: But... The, the boomer cons.
0: Yeah. the, the, the Telly
1: is a boomer
0: And he, he says something absolutely hilarious in this video as well, where he says that uh, you're, you're absolutely right, Bill Maher, who's been most affected by cancel culture? That's right, the comedians. And they, they have been affected, but I wouldn't say the worst. But, a lot of them have made a lot of money Sure off of being anti-woke comedians But I, I always kind of hate this approach as well because it's like well people
1: it, you know realize things that they personally perceive so obviously a comedian's like wow a lot of comedians are getting cancelled but an academics like wow a lot of academics are getting cancelled and so I can't you know it's not really like a junk. say well you didn't notice this thing that you don't pay attention to happening it's like
0: Well, how would they? Well, no, it's funny that it's coming from Steve Turley, who is a conservative who is a conservative activist. Who who didn't point to all of the cases of normal people saying normal things. He didn't say People like James the Moore, normal guys with views that are slightly outside of the Overton window. James the have... More might have been a bit before Steve Turley's time, to be honest. James the Moore was only 2018, wasn't it? Yeah, but I don't think Steve Turley. Yeah, but if you're talking much. about who's been affected by cancel culture as a whole phenomenon, hmm. you can't say it's been most comedians most. Affected. Oh
1: no, no, I'm I'm not saying that. But <clears throat> from the sort of Bill Maher perspective, if that's what he pays attention to,
0: well, that's... as well, Bill Maher obviously is paying attention to the fact that comedians, some comedians have been affected by it. But st- people like Turley who say that yeah, I'm a conservative guy, I-, I care about right-wing politics. Yeah, y- Can you really say that any comedian has been more persecuted over things than, say, Donald Trump has, who I believe is currently in, in a court case no, at There are the like moment.
1: 96 charges against him or something. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah I'm not saying
0: that. But th- this is where I come to the-, the most recent thing that I've seen going online. So a few months ago, it was about three months ago at this point, Bill Maher did a interview with Sharon Osborne, the um, wife of Ozzy Osbourne. Uh, not a particularly pleasant person. Yeah, I don't like her. Uh, I don't think... I don't know. I think... I suppose you would have to be as drugged up as Ozzy was to get married to a woman like Sharon Osbourne.
1: Yeah. I, she's just got a very grating personality to me. Yes. There's, she, a, there's a certain kind of a British woman that has a very... And a common sort of personality type um, in Britain and Sharon Osborne seems to have it. I don't like it.
0: And from this video there was this clip that was going around and as you can see there's the description here where he says he calls London going from 86% white to 36% white in mere decades a happy fact that if the English don't like it they can move. They then have. He adds, yeah, well they have. They've moved out of London. And he says that's life on Earth. Things change and that's, that's a description of what was said, but I don't think you can really capture the smug, self-righteous, yeah. and haughty attitude with which this topic is being discussed yeah. um, without watching the clip. And so, uh, let's in fact, let's just go to the beginning and we can listen to this.
2: But in 1984, I remember walking around London like it was all white. It was all white.
3: But you go outside of lying out but, but now it's totally changed.
2: It went from I read this in Andrew Sullivan's column. It went from in fifty years it went from um eighty-six percent white to thirty-six percent white. Now this is not a complaint. See, if we were conservatives, this would be like a lament. Great. It's a fact. It's a fact, it's a fact. and it's and it's a happy fact. And I,
3: if you can't just discuss don't,
2: it. Just don't tell me we're living in a year we're not living in. We're living in the year when London is mostly people of color. Yes, it
3: is. And I'm
2: pl- applauding it. Yep. Happy for you. Happy Listen, for it. Okay. But um, let's live in the year we're living in.
3: It's, you go to Windsor, Windsor Castle, okay? and the town of course is called windsor and it used to be when i was a kid all english tea shops with china and everybody used to go there for afternoon tea (laughs) and you'd go to windsor park and watch some polo and now you go around there there's no more fucking tea shops
2: right
3: none of that right it's arabic restaurants right it's jamaican restaurants it's Chinese, it is a complete and utter melting pot. And it's great.
2: And it's great. It's great. And there's always going to be some people, and we can't hate them for it, who remember the tea shop, and that's their memories of their youth. And where they first like fell in love or whatever. And so they're going to be nostalgic for it. Mm -hmm. And that you can't hate them because they're like, I don't recognize my country anymore. Because in the Brexit vote, there was a lot of that. People said that. People who've lived in England their whole of course, life. And of the, the old village green England. Like, the
3: traditional it, things and, have gone. Right. And, but we still have the royal family that is way too traditional. Right. It's way too, I love but, them, but you know, they're way too traditional. <sighs> it needs to right. cut back no, on my, the shit.
2: My message to those people is always, sorry, but that's life on earth things
3: change nothing stays the same and if you if you you stay the same you're left behind
2: you don't have to like the change but you can't just stand there in the middle of the street and go stop i am standing athwart change it just doesn't work that way Mm -hmm. change is going to come Mm -hmm. and it's going to roll over you it's how you deal with it that's
3: right you know
2: you can move you'll have to maybe Mm -hmm. you know um, it's sad. Maybe it would be a better choice to try to adapt to what's new.
0: Oh my God. So, I so, hate everything about that. So have you changed <laughs> any of your views? No, because you can
1: still see under underlying this. Bill Maher is not attacking and he is in fact actively in defense of these people,
0: right? He's, no, he's- no, he, no, he's he not. He, just, he, because, just because of the fact that he said, oh, you can't hate them for it, yeah, yeah. doesn't mean that I can't detect the smug condescension coming from that, this idea no, that think... change is just some implacable force that happens yeah. and you're not allowed to be unhappy about well, it. hang on a second,
1: hang on a second. Right, so change is an implacable force, right? The only constant
0: in the universe is genuinely that it changes. But the way in which it changes, well, he's he's, hang on, hang on. he's still a liberal progressive at yeah, heart, he and he hang still on, believes I, I know, that change I know, I know. will only ever go in the direction of multiculturalism I know. And globalization.
1: I know. He he believes in the Whig view of history that change means demographic displacement of native peoples in the West. He, he, he is that guy, right? He is on that guy. But he also has this side where he is I don't I didn't come I didn't detect smugness from that at all. I, I don't know,
0: I got some from Sharon Osborne. Oh, yeah, loads from Sharon Osborne. But like I said, and I already I, 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 I don't like her. Right? If you just say, oh, that's life, that's change. It's a, but why did it have to happen? Yeah, like, yeah, who's it's, behind right. it's, this It's happened?
1: lazy, and it's because of his status in society. He's rich, he's famous, he doesn't need to... He can go wherever he wants and he can have work.
0: I mean, he'll be living in a, a gated community. Exactly, in LA. Be, well, so
1: it's, it's not his problem, right? But he's not being terribly, totally unsympathetic to those people. He's just saying, look, it was just inevitable but, and to be honest, in a way, it kind of is inevitable. If we're going to have a liberal world world order, that this happens, right? In the way, in yeah. So
0: if we have the world order that yeah. he supports, then yeah, 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 yeah. I don't get my country. Yeah, yeah. young girls get raped yeah. by gangs of foreigners, yeah. and he's there going, "Oh well, you can't say stop yeah, change." Because yeah, to him, liberalism is a spell. It's a magic spell that. You know, con- but you told me that sometimes he dispels this magic no, spell,
1: sometimes no. he sees through it. Sometimes,
0: sometimes he sees through it. That's sees through it. So, that's, when it comes to incredibly basic biological facts about the differences that. between men and women, no, no, not, he's perfectly sensible. The, the, but the, when it comes to every, everything else that matters to me, my traditions, my culture, no, my even people, then he
1: saw know. that as well. He, saw, he said, Look, you know, this causes nostalgia for people. You know, the tea shops
0: were actually oh, yeah, valuable, it's just, it's just I, nostalgia, it's nothing more,
1: sure, sure, sure. But, like. But the point is, you know, he recognizes there is something human in there that has been lost. It's just that he is what he is. And he's, you know, must be like 65 or something.
0: He's 67, I think. There we go, yeah. Getting to 70 years old.
1: Like, there's no changing him as far as he's concerned. This is the inevitable path of history, right? He's not going to change his mind. But he's not as bad as, say, Sharon Osbourne
0: sat there, right? Who he was actually proud? Who, who who was saying that the royal family needs to change?
1: Yeah, even yeah. more. And and the fact that it was good that the tea shops were gone. I mean, like, I don't think Bill Maher thinks it was good that the tea shops gone. No, I he said he that's
0: thinks, great. He responded and yeah, said, Yeah, 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 yeah that's the, great.
1: Yeah, yeah. This is a sort of, you know, this is what progressives say. Everything that the progressive has done is good. But if the tea shops were there, I think he would find them novel and interesting and exciting, right? And he understands that there can be a lament for the tea
0: shops. He well, understands but, why the Conservative would be lamenting that. But that's the thing, because he's not banging a nationalist drum for us he's not defending no, he's not, of our right to self determination or sovereignty uh, but you are allowed to bang one sovereign well, nationalist he is drum at the moment yeah which is that he's you know more than happy to go on vehement rants about how evil you are to be anti-Israel, and obviously there is an argument to be made there. But the but my response to him in this situation would be, well, you know, I'm
1: English, therefore I'm going to bang my national. That's drum changed. For London.
0: That's changed, bro. <laughs> oh, who cares if the demographics <laughs> of Israel change? Yeah. That's life. You can't stand I, the t- the IDF can't stand in the road of change and st- hold up a sign saying stop.
1: You know, I would love to see what his response to that would be because he's not he's not irrational. He's not like a you know just a
0: bigot or something. So I would actually, I would like... And he's still got major TDS as well. Well, yeah, of course he does. Let's not forget that. Yeah, yeah, of course he does. And he's still saying, oh, this is just as bad as white nationalism, et cetera, et cetera. Of course he But does. the other thing as well, what I want to say is that he hates traditional conservative views. Yeah. He thinks that it's backwards. He thinks that yeah. it's ignorant and disgusting. Yeah. For instance, here's an example that I just got today where Mike Johnson, you know Mike Johnson, the new speaker of yeah. the House of Representatives? He said on his most recent show on Friday night, he railed against Johnson's devout Christian faith as a red flag, but went further by suggesting the Republican leader is mentally ill. Here's what he said. He said, when you're this much of a religious fa- fanatic, there's no room for real democracy. He's a new atheist. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But it's still telling, isn't it? Oh, yeah, because no, no. He's, he says, that's not what you believe things. in. He said today, look in the Bible, that's my worldview, Ma said during the panel discussion. And I was reading about this horrible shooting in Maine, and you know, you don't, we don't have m- know much about the guy yet, but apparently he heard voices, and I thought, is he that different from Mike jo- Johnson? I mean, to a degree, yes, but it's thinner than you think. So if you are religious, if you hold traditional views, Mar is still the kind of liberal who will equate you to a schizophrenic yeah. hearing voices in your head who's going to shoot up. He considers you a danger. He considers you his enemy. Yeah, I mean... My- so you shouldn't consider him your friend, <laughs> is what I'm saying. And you're not wrong. Okay, so... Intervention, not as successful as I was hoping. Maybe for some of you watching. Well, you are are right that, at bottom, Bill Maher will end up
1: just capitulating and agreeing with everything that the most radical progressives really end up
0: doing. But he's not the evil Jon Stewart type. If he was given a choice between the world that you want and the world the progressives want... Oh, he'll end up choosing that. He would choose I
1: mean, well, it depends how... Radically, it's framed, I suppose. Like, they're, they're, I think he is kind of on the fence because he can perceive reality <clears throat> in spite of being a liberal. Um, you know, he, he had, so it would be difficult, but he's, he's not as bad as many of the others. But you are right. At bottom, ultimately, he's not the friend of conservatives.
0: Shall we move on to Bay Storwell? Yes. Who also wasn't really a friend of conservatives. Well... He was certainly more <laughs> oh, so now I've got the cer- defense. C- certainly more so than um certainly more so than Bill Mar, although he yeah. did simp for the Spanish Republicans. And so yes, I can definitely see that Orwell had a lot of problems.
1: So Orwell is cancelled, finally. The snake finally got around to the portion of its own tail that contained Orwell. Um, Orwell lived for a long time on the left, right? Because when Society was more traditional, Orwell was a left-winger, and then the left kept going, and going, and going, and going, and going. And now finally, we have arrived at the point where Orwell was a racist misogynist and needs to be canceled. So for anyone who doesn't know, we've covered a lot of George Orwell's work because while George Orwell, of course, called himself socialist and was very active in left-wing politics and movements and wrote a lot about this, there was something else in Orwell that was a traditional Englishman and very sensitive to what was happening in the country, and not just ideological. And you see this, of course, most prominently I would say in 1984, which is of course a critique of uh, leftism generally, which is why the party is called Ingsoc. Uh, you see this in Animal Farm, which is a critique of Stalinism. And you see this in The Road to Wigan Pier as well. But more on that, in his Notes on Nationalism, he has quite a nuanced view of what nationalism could mean or not mean, uh, which is excellent. and. His essay on shooting an elephant, which is when he was a colonial officer in Burma, is a very fascinating thing and one that really resonated with me, actually. The the, the, the term, you're, you wear a mask and your face grows to fit it, I think is something that deserves more thought that most people don't give. And so anyway, as you can see, go and sign up for 5 pound a month or using our promo code because it's our birthday today, 33% off, uh, the promo code being birthday. Um, go and watch all of those because there, there are deep dives into Orwell's work. So when I start talking about Orwell and his work, you can see we are not new to the, the corpus of George Orwell. We know what we're talking about. Uh, and it turns out that Orwell was, quote, sadistic, misogynistic, homophobic, and sometimes violent. I mean, he did shoot elephant,
0: And he also fought for the Spanish Republicans as well. So yeah, he did conduct a lot of violence. Didn't he get shot in the neck? in the Spanish Civil War uh,
1: he was wounded I don't know where the wound was
0: so anyway
1: so um as as you can see uh, this is this comes from a biography that's written about his wife uh, and who oh, says,
0: this is part of the cultural revolution where we need to reframe all influential male model uh, male figures from the perspective of the women in their lives yes a pretty common trend at the moment
1: you may recall that uh, a few months ago we covered the feminist rewriting of nineteen eighty four which is I mean Okay if you if you don't understand the irony of this then we'll just carry well, on.
0: They, they they do. They just dislike what 1984 is warning against and they go, "Well, we need to make it out." Re- yeah, that's that's re- totally re- Remember true. that when a woman got a chance to write a dystopia, she wrote, "Oh my god, what if women had to give birth to babies?" That was the most terrifying thing she could think of. Imagine. I know. Uh,
1: anyway, so Anna Funder is the woman who's written this biography of Eileen O'Shaughnessy, who is Orwell's wife, uh, highlighting the contributions O'Shaughnessy made, help, uh, made to his work, including helping to write Animal Farm. Uh, so, one of his works she helped write, we're told. Um, but I love this kind of, well, I don't love it, but like, you know, this kind of character assassination is interesting because it's not like he died recently. He died way before any of the issues that have arised in like the last 50 odd years or whatever. He died in 1949. Yeah, like, but the but the main issues that we're dealing with really sort of arose about fifty years ago. even then, they were quite small and have amplified in the last sort of decade or so. Right? There's no way Orwell could have predicted that this is where we are going to have been. What he was predicting were fairly reasonable things that he was saying in his works, and so it's like you know, because in like you know the '70s or '80s, you still wouldn't expect Orwell to have been able to perceive that far down. And then in 2023 where we're in an actual lunatic asylum, it's not reasonable to think Orwell should have foreseen, foreseen any of this. So it's like really long character assassination, a long arc of character assassination that we're dealing with here. But anyway, so according to Funder, the darkness that runs through, the, uh, through 1984 is a reflection of Orwell's soul. And that's weird, because you would have thought it had been a reflection of left-wing politics, because that's expressly what it's a critique of.
0: It was the worry of what happens if authoritarian Stalinism were to come to England. Yeah. That's what it's about. Yeah. And at that sort of time in um, in history, everybody was becoming more and more aware of how bad Stalinism was. Obviously, they hid it. The left wing journalists oh, yeah. hid it in the 1930s. They were big
1: fans of Stalin until it all came out and they were like, wow, is that really true?
0: Yeah. And understandably, given how dark Stalinism was, that's why 1984 is so dark. Well, that's the point.
1: Orwell is saying, look, actually, you don't realize how bad leftism is going to get. That's what he's saying. And that's why 1984 is as dark as it is. It's not so much of a reflection of Orwell. It's more a reflection of what you are. <laughs> which is So it's just, okay, well, you know, d- 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 he's just this evil, evil man, actually. And so, But you know, it's the darkness in the soul. It's about ooh, making you feel afraid of Orwell. This is how we're thing. We're not saying that his work's bad. We're saying he's
0: sinister. He's evil. That's like like so to. much else, it's supposed to give you a, a pre-built emotional reaction that exactly. doesn't come from you but you've been uh, you've been programmed into, yeah. uh, into feeling it
1: yeah. um, and she just goes on and on about like all of this like decency is such a core Orwellian value he writes about it it's the quality of the proles in 1984 that's going to save us he wanted to be decent to be seen as decent by which he means a man of integrity the same inside and out also he used that word to refer to being heterosexual he was en- he was enormously homophobic but deeply attracted to men and not particularly interested in women sexually.
0: A woman, was he gay? George Orwell. Yeah, pretty certainly he wasn't.
1: Yeah, I've never seen that allegation before. But I think what this is really about is because he writes from a man's
0: point of view. Not terribly surprising, giving these man. Also, if if you're talking about. Uh... Dystopian novels, they're a reflection of a lot of the political events that were going on in leftist politics in the early 20th century. Um, other than maybe a few of the socially revolutionary women who were involved in the early Bolshevik movement, and, and, and the suffragettes, but that wasn't to do with socialism uh, that was going on in Russia. Yeah, um, where are all the women?
1: Yeah, most of those men. But uh, she says he's a very complicated man. He's sadistic, misogynistic, homophobic, sometimes violent, and also brilliant. Yeah. I've read an unbelievable amount of Orwell's work. I've examined it and studied it in detail, and I don't recognize that characterization at all. I don't think he is sadistic. Whenever anything horrible is done to a character, it's never played up for pleasure, which is what sadism is. Nothing about his work comes across as hating hating women at all. In fact, he seems to characterize women uh, in many different ways, broadly and deeply sometimes. And homophobic, I'm just like, okay, but when is he ever? Like, maybe I just haven't read the commentary on gayness that Orwell's given at some point, but I'm just not aware of it. And like, sometimes violent. Well, he's writing fiction books. He desperately wants to be decent, and wanting to be decent is an honorable thing, a noble thing. But writing a book like 1984, which is violent, misogynistic, sadistic, grim, and paranoid, is it, is it grim? Is it paranoid? To think that leftism is going to create a 1984-style totalitarian dystopia?
0: Uh, once, there, were, there were several in existence at I mean, the one, very time you wrote it. Once again, this is, <laughs> this is nothing more than a hit piece. This is an emotional yes. hit piece. It says here in the note, I see here, decency is such a core Orwellian value. And I think that's part of the problem here, which is not just an Orwellian value. It's a British... Yes, is value very much. A British as man. much as Orwell had his socialist leanings and as much yeah. as he sided with the wrong side in the Spanish Civil War, um, at base level, he was a British patriot, he was an Englishman, he was an English patriot who cared about the well being of the English people. This is why, yeah, post World War II he was actively drawing up lists that he was trying to give to the British government, trying to name people that he perceived as uh, conducting anti-British activities.
1: Based all-world well, drawing up lists of the Be-
0: leftists. Because there, there was something that changed yeah. in him throughout the 1940s from that idealism that he mm-hmm. experienced in the 30s, where he basically became the first, alongside people like James Burnham, he became yeah. a reactionary post-liberal kind of to yeah. a certain degree. And if he'd gone on to live a longer life, we might have seen even more of that as he got older. Mm. But that's what they're attacking here. They're attacking British decency. They're attacking Mm. English values. But notice how they're like, you
1: know, decency is an Orwellian value. It's like, yeah, but it's not a a left-wing value, is it? You know, you guys don't value decency. Their values are spite and petty resentment. Well, it's not necessarily... Anyway, (laughs) uh, that's just a manifestation of their values. Um, But anyway, he... uh, He's talking about the Soviet Union, obviously, but they ignore that. Um, Funder is the author of a bestseller uh, which noted that Orwell had a feminist mother and sisters, an art who ran a literary salon, and this fabulous, intelligent, strong wife. And in in his work, he absolutely ignores women. He is a misogynist. Does he ignore women,
0: though? There are women in 1984. Isn't 1984 a love story? Yes. Very dark one, but still. I mean, Animal
1: Farm is about animals. So there Male are Male animals. there's one man, there's a farmer, but like, okay, the farmer, yeah. Why isn't it the farmer's wife or the, the female farmer, I guess? But like, no, Animal Farm is mostly not humans, so okay. Um, well, where well, you know, I, I guess he is technically ignoring women, and I guess from a feminist perspective, that makes him a misogynist. Uh, and so, essentially, what she's coming to is men aren't, just aren't allowed to write about their own stuff. If you're not writing from the perspective of a woman, well, that's off. Um, so, uh, anyway, in uh, in one of uh, the letters that Shaughnessy wrote to her friend, she says that she wanted to visit this friend, but found it difficult because Orwell was ill, requiring her to stay home and tend him, or contact her when she was away, requesting that she come home again. And she signed Thunder, the the woman who wrote this book. Cited this as evidence that O'Shaughnessy was being kept in a controlling environment. Right, is that controlling? You've got to help your husband because he's sick. Ah, yes, typical evil male controlling, helping your ailing husband. Uh, why? The uh, I mean, the man died of tuberculosis. Yeah, I know. How, like, how, how- oh, he's so controlling. He wants me to come and help him because he's dying of TB. <laughs> Like, just what are you talking about? This is absurd. Yes, um, but uh, this this um, is not the only book this year to reassess Orwell through a feminist lens. Sandra Newman has written *Julia*, which retells *1984* through the eyes of its main female character. Newman was invited by the Orwell Estate to take on the project. She absolutely idealized, uh, sorry, idolized the author when she was younger. Having read his political works, and then you read his fiction, particularly *1984*, and that hatred of women is really extreme. So, there are a couple of bits in 1984 that I understand they would be able to. Um, he talks about how the, the compliance of women with the regime, which is just something that happened
0: in this. Which country. women like Sandra Newman are an explicit example of with the current regime that we live under. Yeah, I'm, of, I'm sorry, I, there yeah, are plenty that's of... That's a great point. Plenty of based women out there, plenty of yeah. based women watching this right now. Mm. But women as a full, as a group tend to be much more compliant, and emotionally susceptible yep. to arguments made from kind of, um, a, a kind of sentimentality. Yep. Certainly much more so than men are, although there are plenty of men who are more yep. than willing to go along with the uh, emotional trends. But she says, there are
1: three different points in the book where Winston fantasizes about murdering a woman. At one point, he thinks about raping and then murdering Julia. It's not really treated as strange, and he's still the hero. It's like, right. No. That's, you, are, you are given a look, and this is what character development into the conflicted mind of a person who is not sure what they are actually doing. It's the point of Winston. He doesn't know why he's breaking out of the conditioning. He doesn't know why he's doing this. It's just wrong and he knows it's wrong. And so what he's trying to show you is that Winston is a confused in a, in a difficult spot. He's a confused man. Things are difficult for Winston to process. And obviously he doesn't murder and rape Julia. So it's, a fleeting thought where he's like, okay, I don't understand why I'm thinking this. And it's difficult for him to deal with. This shows that he is vulnerable and human. Not that he is not the hero we must disavow and condemn. Like a a normal person would say, wow, that was really intense and well-written. That's fascinating. No, this person's come away, uh, George Orwell hates women.
0: That's the only perspective these people will ever have. Yes. Yes.
1: Um, However, Newman said her understanding of Orwell was influenced by reading about one of by about something from one of his former girlfriends, who said that he did not hate women, but simply did not think they were important. It's like, well, that's, I mean, a you're talking to an ex girlfriend
0: here, right? And even the ex girlfriend said that he didn't hate them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He
1: he doesn't hate women. You feminist freak. What is wrong with you? And he's writing a fiction. That you make up things that aren't real in fictions.
0: Also, that's such a blanket statement. Did not think that they were important. Obviously, women are important. What's the context in what he was saying? Did he mean? Well,
1: I've got a context here. Actually, oh, okay, right? all right. When he wrote a serious novel, it couldn't be about women. A very strange point of view from a man whose family was full of serious intellectual women. So, like, okay, so he just wrote a novel that just wasn't about women. He spoke from his own position, and women most effective. That's the feminist view.
0: Yeah, pathetic. Exceptionally so. Was that everything for that? Yep, that's everything for that. Excellent. Well, in that case, we've got a few video comments. Let's go into the video comments. Connor asking on Twitter, well, why don't the police just arrest these Just up Oil activists, made me think about the arrests of Roger Hallam and Indigo, whatever her name is. Essentially, it's all just a smokescreen to disguise the fact that the government wants to find a way of legitimizing these environmental policies and to distract the public. Yeah. Probably. Yeah, also clamping down on protests and other civil movements. They want to put something in front of the cameras that everybody hates and everybody disagrees with so that people are more than happy to go along with new legislation. That that seems to be part of it.
1: That's definitely a part of it. But, I mean, have you ever met any of the Just Stop Oil activists?
0: Oh, I know that the Just Stop Oil activists themselves are absolutely insane. Yeah, yeah, and And,
1: and just the the environmental activists in general. I've been to London when they've been out protesting, and I spoke to a bunch of them, and a lot of them are really, I mean, the ones I spoke to were obviously upper class or upper middle class, right? They were really well educated. They obviously had, you know, houses and, you know, elite careers and things like that. And it's like, yeah, you're not going to get them treated like the Tommy Robinson lot. Mm. They're not going to treat these people in the same way. That's why they're being treated with such light touch. It's a class issue as well.
0: That's, that's certainly part of it. But I do think. Yeah, yeah, it's part of it. Yeah, yeah. I, I think there's also um, a concentrated effort to try not to mishandle yeah, yeah. them in the same way that you're more than happy to mishandle the people who'll push back against them.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally. They're, they're going to have, because of like their ideological and class status, and they're, they're going to have a great deal of support from various shitlib institutions. Some people think that Veterans Day, November 11th, or Remembrance Day, as you Brits call it, has something to do with World War I and the end of hostilities. But what people really don't know is that the end of World War I was delayed until 11-11-11 for the sole purpose of creating a worldwide holiday in which the United States Marine Corps could get a day
0: off after the November 10th Marine Corps birthday.
1: Hoorah. I have no idea about that. Is that true? I have no idea. So people were allowed to die for a few extra days just to...
0: Uh, I have no idea. I wouldn't wouldn't put it past the American military or the American government to do something like that. But 11-11-11, it was 11-11-18, wasn't it?
1: I'd have to look it up. I don't know.
2: Lovely, lovely day to be hiking, though. would be really nice if it weren't so misty. Ah, it's good enough.
0: It's actually really scary about this. I really can't appreciate just how high up this is. Lead it to the top. And so foggy, so I'm getting the fuck back down. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. I can't believe you're not wearing a coat. That looks cold. Right. I'm just I'm Average white guy problems is <laughs> you see something really tall and you go, I need to get to the top of that. Yeah, and yeah. you don't think about anything that comes after <laughs> when you're at the top of it. So many men have reached, well, have looked at um, Everest and yeah, thought that same thing. But that, that's really cool, though. I mean, hey, a yeah, be- yeah, beautiful fantastic. scenery. It looks yeah, like yeah. a
1: great tri- uh, trip. You know, that looks really good fun. But, um, yeah, man, be be careful, Jesus Christ!
0: Well, he sent the video in, so I assume he got yeah, down yeah. somehow. Maybe, hopefully, the next video yeah. isn't him in a hospital bed in a full body cast.
1: I, do, I don't know where he is, down, guys. It looked like somewhere in Canada or something, right? Um, yeah. But I, I climbed climbed um, Ben Nevis when I was like mm. in my thirties. And there's two ways of going. You can go up the the, the walking trail that everyone does, um, or you can go around the rear side, and it's like a big ridge, and then up, just essentially just giant boulders you have got to climb over, Um and about halfway up the giant boulders, the clouds came in, and so and I lost my friends. On the oh no! Notice,
0: right, so that yeah, sounds terrifying.
1: Yeah, yeah, it, it was. I've actually got a video from like it was in like I don't know, was it twenty ten or something. Um, so I've got a really crap uh, camera phone video of just me like in the middle of this thick mist. With just rocks, you know, boulders everywhere. Is on this my where
0: own. your Bigfoot obsession came from? Did you see something shifting? No, no, I
1: was just like, yeah, okay. So if I don't make it back alive, this is the last video. You're <laughs> <laughs> I think I've got it on my Facebook somewhere or something like that. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, it's um, it, it's pretty scary actually when you're up a mountain and the mist comes in, like genuinely terrifying. And if you're in Canada, you've got to be more scared because maybe you do get caught by a Bigfoot. So just saying. Anyway. Uh, Springfield Valley Itland says just want to say the latest Brokenomics is really really good everyone should check it out also I'm getting married tomorrow so wish me luck well, good fantastic. luck
0: fantastic good luck to yeah. you uh,
1: Blood for the Blood God has sent us $300 on Rumble thanks man
0: nice uh, thank saying
1: you. first round of drinks are on me lads well yeah. here's to you yeah thank you um, Andrew says congratulations on three years here's to three more very thankful for all the work you do thank you very much and L'Nerva says happy third birthday gents here's to many more thank you so much uh, Lord Nerevar says, Twitter is actually fun again these days. The new CEO hasn't yet been as bad as we were expecting. And with the shifting of the Everton window a little to the right, it's becoming possible and even acceptable to voice some common sense opinions. I'm liking these dangerous social media platforms personally. Yeah, me too, man. But the, the deport the illegals is a great discourse. This wouldn't have been possible five years ago.
0: No, certainly would not have.
1: Just wouldn't have happened. You know, everyone who said it would have been whacked instantly. And now, like, you know, it's really common. Um, Matt says, the right being back on Twitter has been disastrous for the left. The Bud Light boycott wouldn't have been possible without the organization provided by Twitter. Mm. Probably true. Uh, We get to ratio them, pop up information in their bubble and expose how absurd and unpopular their positions really are. It shows how much damage one semi-rogue elite can do to consensus. I'm not having anyone talk bad about Elon Musk, man. He's done so much damage to the left in our favor that I'm just
0: happy with it. I I would rather that there would be more Elon Musk, people of Elon's temperament <laughs> who have ridiculous shed loads of money and are willing to use it for political purposes that benefit us. I would sure. much rather, but this, uh, this I, and, a... and obviously Elon is included in that because he's sure. very, I, I'm glad that he did what he did. But this is
1: something political that benefited us. You know, like, well, that's
0: what I'm saying. Yeah. The,
1: the, the problem the right has is being like, okay, he's not 100% everything I want him to be and therefore I've got to reject him. It's like the left,
0: the left actually doesn't do that. No, the the it, right, the right is not rejecting everything that he has done. The, the right is, is uh, promoting caution because there is a tendency on the center right to see anybody doing anything that benefits us, and that's fantastic that it benefits us, and immediately hopping onto the bandwagon and saying everything this guy does is going to be for our benefit. Well, sure, I mean, I'm not saying that. Yeah, I think that they're, they're just cautioning. They're saying, be cautious about I think- this.
1: I think that the right has so is so used to taking out that it's not prepared to take some wins. But I think there's a there's a kind of like no, we we're, we're the sort of perpetual whipping boy and we're always losing, and therefore there's a kind of security in that. And when you start embracing some wins, it, you you've then got something to lose. You no, know? I think
0: I think they're advising caution. <clears throat> and Mm -hmm. advising not to get wrapped up and too enthusiastic about things which could easily blow back in your face, especially when we do still have the vast majority of the establishment against us, and that includes uh, the legal professions, that includes Whitehall in England, that includes the police are still not uh, administering laws that that are for for our benefit.
1: What if I told you we're getting based Anna Kasparian in next week? We're not. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't put it past you. I'd have Anaron. Why not? I wouldn't put it past you. Why not have Anaron? Why not? It'd be fun. Because she is still an
0: insane left.
1: Yeah, okay. I like talking to insane leftists.
0: All right. You it's know, fun. If, if, if you want to do that, okay. Yeah, I'm not saying you have to do it. Yeah, I, I, um, I mean, I don't see what good comes from it.
1: Well, I mean, probably some great clips, but also <laughs> um, just getting them. Because the thing is, you you can just start presenting them with things that they can be like, that's kind of true. So Anna, what kind of person sexually assaulted you outside of your house? Like, uh, a, a homeless man. There is an. What em- kind of homeless man?
0: <laughs> yeah, you can ask them all of these questions. There is an, um, there is an emotional block that these people cannot get past. They can't. Mm break through that block, like the, um, the, the daughter of a Swedish politician or Danish politician, wherever it was, yep. who was raped by a migrant and then turned around and said, no, don't deport him. He's just uh, behaving yeah, yeah, they're, they're in definitely... that way because, because of structural racism, yeah, yeah, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Et cetera. Yeah. But I, I, I don't, don't think Anna's
1: one of those people. Right? I, think she's, yeah. I think she's come out of that. And is actually like, no, criminals need to be punished, actually. And so it's like right, that's a step in the right direction, and who knows where that goes.
0: Anyway, I'm, oh my god, an incredibly common sense position, no one would have disagreed with twenty years ago. Oh yeah, my but that god, means,
1: yeah, no, no, I know, I know. I'm not quite impressed by it either. But the point is, what it shows is the spell doesn't hold over it now. So now she's going to be like, right, okay, what do I think? And that's where conservatives should be. There,
0: and go. Here's what you think. You know. She people. still has plenty that she thinks herself that she's not going to let conservatives dictate to her.
1: I don't know why you think that. I don't know why you think that she's in a position to be like, yeah, I'm going to defeat the conservatives in debate. I think she'll just lose any conservative, literally any conservative in any debate because she's it's, had her worldview completely severed. Debate is a spectator sport that any, you used it to convince the people watching. Conversation then, you know...
0: Like- I- I, I, other, other than maybe Dave Rubin speaking to um, Larry Elder, yeah. I've never seen anyone come out of the other side of a contentious sure, but it, debate, especially in internet blood sports, who's actually had their mind changed by it.
1: But this is, this is another thing that the right does, where it's like, oh, no, this observes this, reality. No, because you're not observing reality. You're saying this person is a totemic. I'm
0: pointing to. <laughs>
1: no, listen, listen. You just said she'll never change her mind. No, she will. People are not just like, the left are not just like, Platonic totems that are forever the same thing, they do change and they will, they can be brought over to more reasonable positions, you know. But the right wants to be like, no, they're forever the enemy. It's like, not necessarily, actually. But anyway, let me, uh, let me carry on because otherwise we're not gonna get any of these. Uh, Rick says, in regards to Bill Maher's view on change, there's organic change that happens naturally, which means, like, as Rick's gonna say, like, no, the tea shops don't just disappear. And then there's a uh, synthetic change that's occurring in the Anglosphere currently that's enforced by dishonest and hidden actors. Organic change is inevitable and the only real constant. Synthetic change is enforced for some agenda and is cancerous and harmful to both societies and entire cultures uh, as a whole. Uh, Bill Maher either conflates the two or is unable to distinguish between them. I think it's ignorance rather than mendacity. So I think if you sat down and explained that to him, I think he would accept it. Um, but then he started like, getting a bit upset it's at that point the shit library had come out, I think.
0: Well, on that, let me read this one. There you so, go. Sophie Liv says, I did see Bill Maher on trigonometry the other day, and the thing is, he seemed pretty reasonable and smart for most of the interview, and then Trump was brought up and he just lost it. It was unreal. It was like with a finger snap, he turned from clever to absolutely <laughs> deranged and angry. TDS is real, my guys. And that's what I'm saying. These people have psychological blocks that no matter what you do, no matter how reasonable and well-structured and logical your arguments are, you'll never get past them. Would anybody 10 years ago watching Sam Harris talk about the subjects that he did when it was at IDW and such, did they think that it, all it would take is one real estate mogul becoming president to reveal how ideological and insane and emotional he could be sure. because Sam Harris was the guy who put on the neutral emotionless you know he speaks in a way that could cure you of insomnia yeah he was very dull to listen to he's the I'm the reason emotionless guy but the second Trump comes into it all of a sudden he's saying I would forgive war crimes to get Trump out of office I would kill children myself I would Buy Hunter Biden all of the meth he could ever want to make sure that Donald Trump isn't in, isn't in office. Nobody would have expected that coming from someone like him 10 sure. years ago. And that's what this reveals. It reveals that there are lines that these people will never cross. Yeah, some, but
1: okay, I, I don't care if Bill Maher always hates Trump. It doesn't bother me at all.
0: It's um, not just Trump, it's everything that Trump is standing for and that, everything that Trump is think, trying to represent.
1: I don't think that's true. I don't think they see. Trump as being necessarily representative of the wider thing. But anyway, it's a much, much longer conversation for another time. Um, Bill Maher, you could move. Uh, Ramshackle Ram Otter says, and then I pressed the wrong button, and now I'm going to
0: find that comment. Damn it. Give me a did you miss, did you lose the Ramshackle Otter? Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah. Oh, would I, you I just, like me to read it? I've got it. If you've got, got it. it yeah. Bill Maher, you could move. My mum moved from Kent after hundreds of years of family history there to get away from them. Them, I assume, meaning all of the, um, the diversity. Yeah. Now she lives in one of the smallest towns in North Northamptonshire. A couple of weeks ago, she was walking her dog, and there was a chap praying to mecca on the grass verge next to the cemetery. Where can we go?
1: That's that's a good question. That is exactly the question. If I ever go on the Bill Hour, I will, I will put all of this to him.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, if you got invited onto his show, I'm not saying I would dissuade you from doing it. If only because it would be very entertaining to see the discussion that results.
1: I, I think it could be a lot more reasonable than you think. Omar says, the Venn diagram of people who want a melting pot culture and people who can afford to effing leave is a bloody circle. And that really, I think, is what it comes down to with Bill Maher. Go on holiday if you want to experience other cultures. We don't need ethnic cooks or to invade foreign countries for their spices. We have the recipes. I take it you've seen the. uh,
0: Yeah, 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 that's that's wonderful. If only the conservatives had ever been as based as that one clip. If only the conservatives (laughs) were the boogeyman that the left has thought they have been for the past past 60 years.
1: Yeah, Yeah. just like, you know, now we have the recipes. Do we need them to stay? I
0: like curry. (laughs) Yeah. It's the delivery, man. Yeah. So funny.
1: As Desert Rat says, hmm, oil's 1984 and Animal Farmer on the top seller list in the US after Trump was elected. I was surprised. Since I knew they were anti-communist books, yeah, it's really weird, isn't it? It's just like the the left has no perception of the actual purpose of Orwell's work. Like they always go, oh, it was a socialist. It's like, yeah, but nobody did more against socialism than Orwell. Mm. I think he's probably the most influential anti-socialist. Well,
0: I mean, I mean, if you if you read um, Scruton's False Frauds and Firebrands, he speaks about obviously a lot of radical intellectuals, mainly coming from the French tradition. But he has much kinder words to say about English socialists. Yeah. He says there was basically an English parochial socialism that really did just come from, well, I've gone around England and seen that there are some people who are worse off than me, and I genuinely want something nice for them. It didn't come from an internationalist perspective where you wanted the entire global world to be one kumbaya. Yeah. It came from this perspective of, well, I want other people who are Englishmen to live good lives, because I think that's what Englishmen deserve to have. In- English
1: socialism was generally not Marxist. Yes. That's what it boils down to. Um, and so, yeah, it, d- it does have a different atmosphere or aura to it. Um, and But you can but you can see that Orwell is looking at international socialism being like, this is evil. This is going to bring about the worst tyranny we've ever seen, ever. And we've got to do something about it. Yeah, I've got to say something to speak about it. And so, yeah, it's just crazy how like, on oh, Orwell was a man of the left. I'm going to buy Orwell. It's like, okay, but if you don't understand, you know. Uh, Rick says, the gaslighting coming off this article is like a thick and choking miasma. Women most affected. Yeah, it's, it's mental. Absolutely mental. Uh, Matt says, I like how Orwell argues that patriotism is the least egregious form of nationalism. The ter- exactly. The term nationalism was a complete misnomer. Ideological fanaticism would have been a more appropriate term. Um, yeah, I mean, notes on nationalism great read. Again, Go watch the book club on it. And, um, Andrew says, I'm a millennial. And the only thing in my life that I've ever gone to a midnight launch for was the Harry Potter books. Many of us, for many of us, they were the only thing exposing us to a cultural identity into the hero's journey. Everything else was multicultural propaganda.
0: Yeah. That's the interesting thing about Harry Potter is I know you and others have made very salient arguments that there are definite parts of the books that, um, you could say are, of a right wing perspective the entire framing it, it, it really comes from the fact that JK Rowling at the end of the day was kind of ripping off all yeah the she was other, not very creative she, she was <laughs> ripping off all of the other fantasy that she'd ever uh, read which was a lot of it formulated those tropes were formulated by people with deeply conservative worldviews
1: not just that she literally just ripped off the traditional structure of England
0: yeah like and the, and the the John oh, you want an English boarding school here's Eton but for wizards yeah also the was was what's his name John Campbell was he the guy who came up with the hero's Joseph journey Campbell. Joseph Joseph Campbell yeah she was going off of all of the tropes and all of the already established things
1: yeah but okay that, that's not really a
0: criticism because every no, story I'm not, I'm, is the hero's no, I'm, I'm not saying that it's a criticism yeah, yeah. I just found it funny that when you go to baseline tropes a lot of them are are, are deeply conservative oh
1: yeah 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 it's yeah totally like you know traditional mythology. But like everything about Harry Potter is actually really exclusive and innate. Like they, you're born a wizard, although you can't be, just become a bloody
0: wizard. To be fair, <laughs> I, you're a muggle. I say that she got everything from tropes. I still don't know how she thought the the subplot in the fourth one where Dobby and all of the house elves don't want to be freed from slavery. I don't know where she was coming from. <laughs> Maybe she read the
1: slave narratives.
0: Uh, um, Maybe she read the first chapter of Aristotle's Politics and said, you know maybe. what? He makes some really great
1: <laughs> well, points. Maybe I'll read Harry Potter and do a right-wing analysis of it. Because I've never
0: read Harry Potter. It would be interesting to see. Yeah. It, would be, it would be interesting to see. Um, right, I think, we're I out think of time Yeah, I think that's all the time we've got. So thank you very much for watching. Uh, we'll be back on the podcast tomorrow. And for our premium subscribers, remember to tune in about half an hour for our third birthday Q&A for Lads Hour 10. Thanks for watching, goodbye. Oh, also discount code. Discount code. Birthday. Birthday, 33% off. See you soon, cheers, bye.